This episode contains discussions including explicit language, disordered eating, and recounts of fat phobia. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Body Story Podcast, a show about the way we're navigating the world in the bodies we've been given. I'm your host, Tiffany Eller, and I believe that if one person's story can change the way you look at them, a collection of stories may be able to change the world. Today, I'll be speaking with Mackenzie Olver, a 26-year-old communications coordinator who loves hiking, Greek food, and hanging out with her husband and their two dogs. Today, Mackenzie and I will discuss what it's like to seek medical care while living in a larger body. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Mackenzie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. So when I was emailing you, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about uh, what you wrote to me about. But in our correspondence, I asked, what would the title of your body story be? Do you have that on hand? Um, I believe it was body profiling in the healthcare industry. And I think this is huge because I, I know that a lot of people experience discrimination based on what they look like, especially in medical care. So is that where you'd like to start in your body story? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually, like I mentioned before, I think my story actually started with my mom when I was a newborn. Um, she is also, you know, in a larger body and she always suspected that she had narcolepsy um, but the doctors just constantly told her to lose weight and she would, she would be fine. Um, and you know, they just kept turning her away time after time. And so when I was only probably a couple months old, she was driving down the freeway in Southern California and she fell asleep at the wheel. And I mean, luckily we survived the ordeal, but it was pretty terrifying, especially with a newborn in the car. So she drove straight to the hospital and she brought me with her and she told them, I'm not leaving until you do a sleep study. And they did the sleep study and turns out she had narcolepsy. So, you know, she was, she was right the whole time. Cause as, as you know, most of us know our bodies pretty well. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of grown up with that story in the back of my head. Um, and I guess I didn't really start experiencing it for myself until, I was an adult and I was on my own insurance because up until then, you know, you went to doctor appointments with your parents and stuff. So they kind of, they kind of shielded you from it or they took the brunt of it. So when I got onto my own insurance and started going to the doctor as an adult, it just became quite clear very quickly that there was, you know, some discriminatory behavior because of my size. Um, and it just, it's mind blowing, <laughs> you know? Um, so my, my first experience, I think I suspected I had a herniated disc in my back, um, which is something my dad has had too. So I, I kind of knew the symptoms and I knew what to expect. Um, and I went to the doctor and I asked if they could do an MRI to confirm it so we could, you know, put together a treatment plan. And my provider told me, to do yoga, to lose weight, to diet, you know, all of these things, except for an MRI. (laughs) Um, So that was pretty disheartening. Um, And I ended up switching doctors, actually. And I got really lucky. I switched to a great provider. And he 
automatically was like, yes, let's do an MRI. They did the MRI and lo and behold, I had a herniated disc. Um, so it's just, it, it's kind of shocking and disappointing, but you know, I'm guessing it's extremely common. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned that you had experienced something recently too. Was the herniated disc a recent thing or was that a different incidence that you mentioned earlier? Um, me? The herniated disc was probably a couple of years ago. Um, recently, I, so I work for a state agency and we do this program called Smart Health. Um, and you participate in certain topics and activities and for each thing you get points. And if you get a certain amount of points, then you get, I believe it's $125 deducted off of your deductible, um, for your insurance. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty nice incentive. And so I filled that out and they ask, you know, for pretty much a complete health profile, your weight, height, you know, blood pressure, your activity levels, your hobbies, like it, it's, you know, it's pretty big. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm five foot four, so I'm pr- pretty on the short side, I guess. Um, and usually about 200 plus pounds. And so, they automatically disregarded my healthy blood pressure, my activity levels, and all of those things, and just immediately were like, oh, you need to focus on BMI-related activities. You need to lower that. You need to lose weight. Um, and so that was that's pretty irritating because, you know, they just disregard every other thing you tell them and just focus on that one thing. Um and I filled out a health profile for my insurance as well. Um, and same thing, you know, they have all of my blood pressure, cholesterol, all of that. They have all those results. But as soon as they see the, the short and fat, they immediately give you weight loss resources and classes and tips. And it's just, it's extremely disappointing because, you know, at this point in my life, I've become pretty comfortable and happy with my body. You know, it's been a long journey to get here, but now I'm I'm very happy with it. But still, when I see those things on my, you know, from my doctor or on my health insurance, it's it still stings. It still hurts, you know. Um, so it's it's you know, you're you're yeah. going forward but falling back too. <laughs> right. So when you when you're in the office with a doctor that is profiling you based on how you look, um, is there certain ways that you found best to handle that? Like, do you feel empowered to stand up for yourself or is it something where you're like sitting by and you just have to take it until you walk out of the office? Like, how do you handle that experience when you're faced with it? I think I've gotten better at being an advocate in you know, more recent months, but before with my doctor that was telling me to do yoga for the herniated disc, you know, she was super thin, tiny fit. And I just, I I kind of felt embarrassed, you know, I felt like I couldn't really stand up to her because we were just so different and she would never understand where I was coming from. She would never understand my story. And so I think the best thing in that situation was just for me to switch doctors. And sometimes, you know, you can't change people's minds and that's all you can do. Um, more recently, I actually went to urgent care a couple weeks ago, um, cause I had chest pain and shortness of breath. And I, you know, I don't think I have a heart problem, but I wanted to rule it out. Um, 
and I was talking to the nurse and, you know, I told her, I was like, you know, technically I have a high BMI and I know that that can be a factor. And the nurse just laughed and she told me BMI is trash. (laughs) And so it was, it was very refreshing to hear that. It's nice to know that, you know, some people in the medical field (laughs) realize that it is ridiculous. And so it just, it's kind of different with each provider. You know, sometimes you might need to switch. Sometimes you can have an open, honest conversation and it'll surprise you, but it's just so different every time. So in your experience, do you think that as as time goes on, we're in 2019, it feels like we're raising consciousness on all these different things. Do you think in the medical community, it's becoming more widespread that people are accepting that weight doesn't necessarily equal health? That's, that's kind of a tough one. I mean, I think people are starting to realize that, like that nurse said, BMI is trash. I think, you know, even my doctor, he has a little a little printout up in his office about how BMI doesn't equal health. And so I think some people are open to it and some people have probably always known it, but I just like, I watched some of the experiences of my friends. I have a friend who is trans and is seeking top surgery. And I guess I had no idea, but I guess this is a thing. Um, most surgeons won't perform that surgery unless you're under a certain BMI. And so you know, he, he had to actually go and lose weight (laughs) to be eligible to get this, this surgery, which is just mind blowing to me. So I think, you know, in your family practice doctor, I think it might be a little easier for them to stop equating your weight and your health and, and just kind of taking a look at you as an, an individual. But, um, I guess, you know, certain things like surgery and stuff, I don't, I don't know if they ever will change or how long it'll take for them to change. It's, um, it's a lot different, unfortunately. Right. I assume with surgery now, I would like to remind everyone we are not medical professionals at all, but I mean, surgery is, is a big deal. And I could see that being, I mean, I don't know if there'd be health risks. Uh, I I guess, I don't know. Uh, I've heard there there isn't really I think it's just you know they they adjust your your anesthesia depending on your weight which is you know totally possible I just I just think it's like a you know surgery surgical preference unfortunately um right because you know there is that profiling regard in the the healthcare industry right so what when you went to your new doctor how did that compare? Like, how did it feel to finally be with somebody that you were like, oh, they understand? It was interesting, actually, because my my new doctor is a man, and I usually shy away from that. I prefer to have female providers, but I just couldn't find one that worked for me. Um, so I kind of went in there with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, but he was incredibly nice. He just, he listens to every single thing I say, and if I want a test ordered, order it with no questions. And it was just, it was so refreshing. You know, it was very surprising because I've just never experienced that before. Um, and we actually, we just moved. And so I have to find a new doctor again. So I'm, I'm a little nervous. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, cause you know, finding a new doctor is always a bit of a hassle, but I feel like for people who are fat, it's just an extra issue that you have to deal with. You know, I, I, I feel myself getting anxious before doctor appointments if I haven't met them yet because 
you know, I mean, I've spent my whole life being judged and I know how it feels and you should feel safe in the, in the healthcare industry. And unfortunately that's not really the case, but. Yeah. How did you go about finding a doctor that was right? Was it just like the next person you went to was the right one? Or did you look up body positive doctors? What did that process look like? Um, I think I went through two doctors before I found mine. Um, and it was just kind of a, kind of a gut feeling, honestly. Um, you know, we have to have a good rapport. They have to be friendly. They have to be willing to listen to what I say and, um, you know, order the according tests and stuff. And so I went through a couple and they weren't, they weren't terrible. We just didn't really click. Um, but I have, uh, I have Kaiser. And so, you know, it's, you have to find doctors who are in network, which can be pretty difficult. So, um, I didn't actually try the Googling body positive doctor, but, uh, that would, that'd probably be a good idea. <laughs> I don't know if, is that, I wonder if, you know what, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> That's how I found my personal trainer though actually is I googled body positive personal trainer so that's how I found her (laughs) yeah I wanted to talk to you about that too so what is it like working with a body positive trainer um it is incredible it just completely changed my life honestly when I when I was searching for a trainer I was in a pretty low spot I was feeling really down about my body I had a gym membership and you know, I just, I I don't really know how to work out. So I would go to the gym, but I didn't really feel like I was pushing myself hard enough, or I I felt like I wasn't doing enough. And then eventually I just stopped going. And then, you know, every time I drove past the gym, I had that guilt. (laughs) Um, So I, I was in a pretty low place. And I just Googled body positive personal trainer, because I didn't want to work with someone who was not like me. Um, Because I've done it before. And it's just so intimidating. And they just they put you through a workout that's designed for different bodies and it's, it's not effective. Um, so I found my personal trainer. Her name is Polly. She is amazing. Um, and it shout just, out to Polly. Yes. <laughs> and it, yeah, she just completely like, honestly, I, I feel like if I didn't meet Polly, I probably would still be struggling with my body image and my self-esteem. And, you know, we met up for coffee just to kind of discuss Um, what I was looking to get out of our training sessions and everything. And of course, my first thing was, I want to lose weight. And she listened and, you know, she took everything in and she never told me no or anything. But when we started actually doing the workouts, I realized that this wasn't that kind of trainer. (laughs) You know, we were focusing on doing what feels good for your body and building up muscle and, you know, just being healthy, um, and just getting some good cardio in. And, you know, it never, it never really was about losing weight. And I started to realize that. And I started to feel, I just started feeling really good about myself. You know, I was getting stronger. My, uh, stamina was increasing and, you know, I was getting healthier, but I was still fat. And so I, I think that's where I started to realize that being fat isn't bad and being fat isn't equated to being unhealthy, you know, and, um, through her, I actually discovered she runs a body positive hiking club. And so I love hiking and we started, I started going on hikes with them 
and I just met all these really incredible people and I just started surrounding myself and like the body fat positive movement. And I think that's really what led me to finally accepting myself and being okay with myself. And so just, yeah, shout out to Polly. <laughs> she changed my yeah. life, <laughs> but you know, like we, we had a similar physique. So it was, it was comforting being with someone who, you know, kind of looked like me. Um, and knowing that like, she was just like this badass, you know, and I could be too. Earlier, you mentioned that your mom is also living in a larger body. And I'm curious, what, how did she view her body? And how did that affect you growing up in a similar body type? You know, she has like, I, I just feel like I've never seen any doubt or negativity from her. Um, and I mean, she's just her whole life. She's been big as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult. And it just like, she never talked bad about herself. She never let anything phase her growing up. Um, so I feel like I probably, <laughs> I should have picked up more of that, but I, uh, I obviously did not. Um, but yeah, she just, she never cared. And it's just so impressive. And I've always admired that. Um, and, and as I got older and started you know, being more accepting of myself. And I realized that, oh, I kind of, you know, I feel like my mom now. <laughs> and there's some similarities here. Like she's been doing this forever. This feels great. Why haven't I? But, you know, as a kid, you never, you never listen to what your parents say and you never <laughs> believe them when they tell you that you're beautiful and you're perfect the way you are. And, you know, like, it's just kind of human nature to go against what they say (laughs) (laughs) right and you're like you're so biased yeah yeah you have to love me (laughs) exactly and then you know there's like so many outside factors coming in from you know like school and friends and the media and and stuff like that so it's hard to just listen to the words of one person when there's all of that bombarding you as well right when's the first time you remember doubting that you were in the right body or a good body? I would probably say maybe like the fifth grade is when I, like I was just hanging on to like my baby fat so much and all my friends were like starting to get skinny. Um, And I just like, I was wearing, you know, like the baggy jeans, the baggy shirts. Um, I didn't want people to look at me. You know, I was just like constantly hiding myself. And then when I got to middle school, it was kind of a combination of things. I, you know, I got my period, I went through puberty, I got braces, so I didn't want to eat as much. And I started doing sports. And I got down to the skinniest I've ever been. Um, And of course, I loved it at the time. But when I look back on pictures of it now, I'm like, Oh, my God, like, that's scary. Like, it almost looks unhealthy how small I was, you know. Um, And it didn't last long, because that's just that's just not my body type. That's not how I'm made. Um, so yeah, I started, you know, gaining weight back pretty consistently all the way through college, honestly. (laughs) Um, but definitely like in middle school, once dating and all that stuff started to kind of come into the picture, you just get so critical and you're just hyper aware of how everyone looks at you. I remember, you know, I always wore tank tops under my shirts and I would just constantly pull them down as far as I could, like to cover my butt because I didn't want people to look at my butt. And I never wore short sleeve shirts because I didn't want people to see how big my arms were. And, you know, there were just so many things that I did to hide myself. And I'm just so thankful that I don't 
live like that anymore because it was just so sad and it was so exhausting. You know, there were so many things to remember, all these rules I set for myself. Um, it was just, God, couldn't pay me to be a kid again. <laughs> right. Now that you have unlearned all that and you're no longer doing that, has it, have you noticed, like, do people even notice that stuff now that you are showing off your arms or wearing whatever you want? Like, do people even notice? I, I don't think so, honestly. I mean, you know, I have a lot of tattoos now, so people will be like, oh my God, I love your tattoo. Um, so I, I guess they, they still notice, but for different reasons, you know? Um, it's, it's not judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it probably never was judgment. I mean, you know, from, the bullies and stuff, obviously there was, there was judgment, but from everyone else, I just, you know, I think they just see a person in a body and they're, they don't care. Um, cause I certainly, I certainly don't care when I see it on other people, you know? So yeah, definitely. I put so much work and stress into my appearance as a, as a preteen and a teenager. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Now I just don't even care. I don't wear makeup anymore. <laughs> you know, I dress in what I want to wear and I just, yeah, I, I can't be phased now. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm getting there. Is there anything currently that you're still unlearning about your body? Like things you're trying um, to overcome still? So, you know, I, I actually, I just moved back to my hometown. We're, we're staying here for a little bit and my best friend lives here and I started going to yoga with her. Um, and I still find myself getting really nervous before yoga classes because, you know, the instructors are really thin and fit and it's just kind of like, I have some limitations, you know, I can't do all the poses. I have to do some modifications, you know, it's, it's hard. And so I still find myself, you know, getting nervous before stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think, you know, Weight wise, I'm doing pretty good. I started, I used to be obsessive about shaving off like every piece of body hair I could find. And now I like never shave (laughs) and I love it. But still, like if I go out in public in a tank top, I'm like, oh my God, what are people going to think? And then, you know, just throughout the day, you, you go through your normal movements and you don't even notice or care. And usually other people don't, but so there's still some small things um, that, that kind of linger, but, um, I think for the most part, society is kind of getting over the body hair stuff as well too. So, you know, people, people are over it. Yeah. So are you like all natural, like no shaving? Pretty much. Yeah. Occasionally I'll like shave my legs if I'm dressing up really fancy for something. Um, but yeah, like I used to, you know, I've been self-conscious about my, my belly my whole life because it was always big and it had rolls and stretch marks. And then I also had this little happy trail of, of hair under my belly button. And I was just horrified as a child. I was like, girls aren't supposed to have that. Oh my God. And then, you know, I grew up and learned about all these things and educated myself, but, um, I just let that grow in and I I love it. I think it's adorable. Like, (laughs) armpit hair, everything. I just like, I don't even care. And it's just so much easier, so much more comfortable. It's great. Uh, I totally agree. I also don't shave because I find it an inconvenience and I feel healthier and better when I don't. But Mm -hmm. for about, I'd say like for the first year or year and a half that I 
had underarm hair, I was the same way where I'd like, I wouldn't give people full hugs. I'd like keep my arms down by my sides and give yeah. them a little like um, velociraptor hugs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or like you don't like reach up and get something because you're like, oh, there's that hair under there. Yeah. Someone's going to see it. It's going to be scary. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, you know, sometimes those thoughts still pop in there, but just, you know, who cares? And how often are you going to see these people again, you know, most of the time? And it's just, it's a relief. Cause when, I mean, when I first started shaving and everything, I literally shaved my armpits every single morning. Like I couldn't even bear to have any stubble there. It was just ridiculous. And then actually when I was in college, um, I got this, uh, skin, disease. It's called folliculitis. Um, and I think it's a form of like staff. Um, and the doctors told me, you know, you need to stop shaving your armpits. And I was like, Oh my God, no. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, and so, yeah, I, I stopped shaving and of course it cleared up and everything felt better. And so now on the very rare occasion that I do shave my armpits, like, you know, I'll kind of break out and it's really uncomfortable. And so it's just not even worth it anymore. I'm just I don't care how fancy the event is. <laughs> they can yeah. deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll wear a fancy dress and have my pits all out there. Just yeah. whatever. Who? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, who even notices it, you know? <laughs> that was the realization that I had was that at first I would notice that people would look to my armpit. But then I started thinking about it as in, like, if I saw a man in a tank top and he raised his arm, would I look at his armpit? Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. But was I judging him for it? No. Exactly. And so I had to like tell myself the story that like, even if somebody's looking one, they're not judging me Two, If they are, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, it's, it's a constant learning and unlearning cycle. So Mackenzie, <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> So, it, it, and I apologize if this is insensitive. Um, so, is it appropriate for me to refer to you as a fat person? Yeah, I would. I would definitely say so. And is that like a preferred term, or like when other people use that term to describe you in front of you or to your face or however they do? Does it sting to hear that? Or is it just, yes, this is who I am. This is part of my body and I accept that word. I guess it kind of just comes down to the, the context, you know. Um, for instance, you know, how like queer used to be kind of a bad word. It was, it was used as a slur. Um, and I myself am a queer person and I, I identify as queer because I've reclaimed that word, you know. And so with fat, if, if anyone had described me as fat in the past, I just like would have broken out into tears. But now I feel like I've kind of reclaimed it. And, you know, since I'm on that whole fat doesn't equal unhealthy crusade, <laughs> I feel like I've kind of reclaimed it. And so I'm, I'm totally fine um, calling myself fat or if other people do. I took a lot of sign language classes when I was in college and I, I learned um, you know, that deaf people like will just describe you exactly as they see you. And it's not an offensive thing. And that was kind of eye opening because people would be like, you know, the fat girl with curly hair or whatever. And it was, 
at first I was like, well, hey, that's mean. <laughs> and then I realized like, oh no, it's literally just descriptive. Like you're trying to point out someone and that's, that's who they are. Um, and so it, it kind of stopped, it stopped phasing me really. I mean, if someone were to pass me in the street and call me a fat bitch or something out of anger or animosity, you know, like that, that stings. But at the same time, um, I'm trying to get better at being like, you know what? Yeah, I am fat and screw you. <laughs> so, because, right. It says a lot more about them than it does about you in that yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I've, I definitely um, have started describing myself or, you know, saying I'm fat and I kind of started a little bit in college because in college I went back and forth um, on how I saw myself because um, I was like really involved in the queer community in college and it was just such an accepting group and everyone was so nice and I was just like you know what it feels good and I'm fine just the way I am and I started describing myself as fat more often but then when I would hang out with like my skinny friends they would be like oh you're not fat or you know like you know the typical response that most fat people get when they say that <laughs> Um, and it's like, no, I am, but it's not a bad thing. That's the difference. I see it as something that's totally fine. And most people see it as something that's bad. Um, so it's just, you know, obviously it's a very personal preference on if people want to use it or not, but that's kind of how I've started seeing it. And it's just, it's helped so much. So I think that a lot of people have that reaction when they hear somebody describe themselves as fat because they're insecure about their probably their own body, but the mm-hmm. use of that word. So in, in a case like that, where you are using it to describe yourself, what would be to you mm-hmm. an appropriate response for somebody that is feeling uncomfortable at, instead of saying, Oh, you're, you're not fat or wherever they tend to go with that conversation. What would be a better response to equip our audience with? in the most cases it would probably just be no response you know just carrying on the conversation that you were having like normal um because reacting to it usually means that you're you're associating it with the stigma that exists um so if I'm talking to someone and I just casually am like oh yeah I'm fat or whatever and they stop the conversation to talk about it then it's kind of clear that they either have an issue with me or they're just kind of falling into the the stigma. Um, So I mean, for me personally, if I throw that out there, I'd rather someone just be like, yeah, okay, and carry on the conversation. Um, Because it just, you know, if you're talking about yourself in in a conversation, it's kind of awkward if people have to stop it and, and break it down and tell you things about yourself that aren't true, but it's the way that they see it. And it's just kind of awkward, you know, for most people, it's just, just keep going with the conversation. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I've been trying to make sure that I implement that anytime somebody's talking about their body, regardless of what part of it it is, because everything is so personal. And like, who who am I to try to validate one, them, but two, me, because I feel like a lot of times those comments are like, you're more so trying to validate yourself when you're dwelling in that insecure space than you are the person talking to you yeah yeah and you know it's just if you're having a casual conversation and then it turns into this big thing because people feel the need to t- 
tell you something about yourself that you don't believe, but they might because they're coming from a different section. It's just, it's so awkward and unnecessary most of the time. Right. And it, it kind of breaches your trust. Like if they're going to react that way, it's like, well, what can I say in front of this person? They're going to react in this weird, like insecure, awkward way every time. So yeah, like how much time do I want to spend with this person? And, you know, for me, I'm kind of on this like personal mission to just make people see that fat isn't a bad word. Um, you know, so like I like bringing it up in conversation and I like, you know, I don't mind educating people if they're like, wait, you said that you're fat and that's bad. And then I'm like, wait, it's not. Here's why. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't really mind breaking it down because, you know, I would love to eventually live in a world where it's not a bad word and it's not automatically associated with someone's health or, you know, things like that. Um, so I don't really mind talking to people about it. Um, but yeah, I just, I would love for it to be an accepted, celebrated, you know, good word. Yeah, I agree. And along those lines, you have a body positive Instagram account, right? I do. I, I've, I had my gallbladder removed in January and I've kind of been sick off and on since then. So I've kind of neglected it for a while, but I'm trying to get back into it. Um, but it's embody positivity on Instagram. Um, and it's a private Instagram just because I want it to be a safe space for people to, cause you know, I, I welcome people to submit pictures or their stories or anything like that. And so it is private, you know, feel free to request to follow it if you want. Um, but I, I like to kind of verify people <laughs> just to keep the spaces safe and happy as possible. Um, but yeah, I like to share just photos of myself or others. I like to share resources, um, events, you know, various things like that. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Exciting. I know I have a picture on your Instagram that I wouldn't have sent in if it wasn't a private Instagram. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, even though we're, you know, in this journey of body positivity and not caring what people think and stuff, I mean, sometimes having a safe private space is still totally fine and acceptable. And it doesn't mean that you're like less far along in your journey or, you know, like, you know, you just want to have that safety there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what would you like our listeners to walk away with today? So I guess going back to the whole healthcare industry thing, I know it's, it's hard to kind of speak up and defend yourself for some people. Um, I mean, it's, it's so hard for me. I'm such a people pleaser and I'm, I'm usually pretty quiet and just roll with things, but I think it's so important for you to be your own advocate or even, you know, if you can't do it, like bring a relative or a friend or someone who can be there to support you and voice stuff for you as well. Um, Cause the healthcare industry is just such a messed up place, honestly. Um, and you know, they're responsible for taking care of you and your health and your medications and your surgeries and their, they hold so much power in their hands and they shouldn't be allowed to abuse it um, or decline or turn you away just because of what you look like or your weight and height or your BMI or whatever. So 
I would just say, you know, fat doesn't determine your health and keep that in mind always and be your own advocate and just, you know, stay strong. It sucks. You know, sometimes you have to go home from a doctor's appointment and just have some self-care because <laughs> it's rough. Um, and then another thing I would say is just really try to surround yourself with like-minded people. I know that I used to follow, you know, all these workout boards and diet boards on Pinterest or on Instagram and, you know, cause I was like, someday I'll be like that, or I'm going to try and do these things. And it was just, it was so bad for my mental health and my self image. Um, and I noticed when I started unfollowing those and following body positive blogs and fat positive accounts and, you know, just more open-minded, kind content that I just started feeling so much better. Like there's such a weight off my shoulders. Um, so, you know, a lot of this is easier said than done, but it is something to keep in mind, you know, surround yourself with good things. Yeah. Do you have any examples off the top of your head of accounts that you would recommend? Um, well, there's this pretty cool podcast called The Body Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. I follow quite a few, actually. Goodness. Um, I, ha- I like to have a kind of a wide spectrum of stuff. So, like, you know, I follow some accounts that are like body positive, like pregnancy accounts and stuff because, you know, someday I want to have kids and I know that that's probably going to become an issue with my weight and everything and people judging me. And so I kind of like to have a, um, a broad spectrum of people I follow. So there's stuff like that. There's people who are kind of more on the influencer side. Um, artists, you know, following body positive artists is also incredible. Um, but here's, here's some examples for you as well. <laughs> so the pregnancy one that I follow is Fat Pregnant Body Love. And it is amazing. Love it. Um, I'm like scrolling through my Instagram right now trying to find <laughs> some, <laughs> some cool people. Um, I also follow a lot of, like, LGBTQ stuff as well because I like to bring that into my Instagram as much as possible for resources and stuff. So, like, LGBT Books for Prisoners is awesome. Um, I actually sent some some books their way earlier this year. Um, God, there's just so many. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to give I, all shout-outs, you know? Um I know. I, I feel like that too with, um, you know, the podcast is relatively new. And so mm-hmm. the Instagram for that is relatively new. And I wanted to flood my, oh, my yeah. feed with just body positive everyone. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so I have, I follow all these people and they do these things or they specifically talk about, you know, these certain body positive issues. But like, how do I go about finding these ones? <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it's you know? so many different kinds of content, you know, um, like there's this uh, plus size model that based in Seattle, and I just adore her and her account is plus size pioneer. Um, so I would definitely check that out. But yeah, there's just there's so many or I don't know if you've heard of Shug's art. Um, 
it just amazing work, photography and artwork and just incredibly body positive. And it's kind of stuff that when I first started looking at it, I was like, oh my God, this is like something in the past that I would have been like, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to be proud that I look like this. But now like looking at this art, I'm like, I'm so proud that I look like this and it's portrayed in art. Um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, just surrounding yourself with this stuff is so positive and so beneficial. Um, yeah. Last summer I got myself a, a Venus of Willendorf necklace. Uh, yes, Are you familiar I with her? Right. <laughs> uh, right. And I wear that necklace every time I go out in public because it's my little like protective talisman mm-hmm. against like body shame from other people. So I actually um kind of along the same lines. I got a little body positive tattoo on my thigh last summer. Um and it's just kind of a little bust of just a fat woman, you know, and I just adore it. And the artist is actually based in Seattle. If I can find it, it's at a Valentine's tattoo shop in Seattle. Um, and she herself is plus size and the shop is super inclusive, amazing. And I believe her Instagram is called rough enough. Um, rough enough but yeah just there's there's just so many cool connections you can find once you start like following all these body positive things you know like I never would have thought to find a body positive tattoo artist and now I'm just like totally in love (laughs) Um, nice and yeah there's just there's so much so yeah once you start exploring you'll just kind of fall down the rabbit trail and find all these others and it's it's great it's been so beneficial Awesome. Well, thank you for talking to us today, Mackenzie. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. This episode was made possible by our Patreon supporters, Stephanie Baird and Jonathan Stratton. The Body Story Podcast's editor is Daniel Vogt. Our producer is Amanda Ray, and our creative director is Emily Fisher. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash bodystorypodcast. Patreon is a crowdfunding membership platform that provides business tools for creators and artists to build relationships with their supporters and provide them with exclusive experiences. You can support the Body Story Podcast with as little as $1 a month in exchange for behind-the-scenes recordings, updates, and eventually free merch. Your support helps us grow this show so these stories can reach more people and end body shame around the country. If this message aligns with you, support us today at patreon.com slash bodystorypodcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.